Well, good morning all, and it is the first day of a brand new year, the year of our Lord 2023. It's this Sabbath day. So we're going to read from James chapter 4, verse 13 to verse 17. And James writes, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Well, many people will be making plans for the year. It's only natural. A time like this is a time to reflect on what the old year has brought us and to look forward with God's help to new challenges and perhaps new opportunities in the year that lies ahead. So how will we approach the year that lies before us? And that's the question I want to ask you in this short podcast today. And in this passage from James, we see some attitudes, some different states of mind that might help us to avoid a dangerous flaw in our forward planning. We're going to look briefly at them. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata podcast. Well, the first problem that we might encounter when we're planning our year ahead is self-sufficiency. James says in verse 13, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Relying on ourselves. Self-sufficiency is planning without God. Sometimes people have this arrogant attitude to life, that the future belongs to us, a self-sufficient attitude. They say, I don't need God. Tomorrow will be fine. Failure is not on my agenda. You shape your own future. And that's the very attitude that James is dealing with here in this passage of scripture. He's talking about the plans of man. Today or tomorrow we will go. And you know, sometimes we have these great plans, don't we? We plan and we hope that all of our plans come to pass. Now, a word of warning here. James is not condemning planning itself. It's very prudent to plan. It's very important to have, for example, insurance, to have a pension scheme, to be prepared for unforeseen eventualities. What James is talking about here and what he's concerned about is people who plan without God. So we have the plans of man here and we have a place for money. We will go into such a city. Those were exciting times. The Jews were, and I'm sure they still are, a very industrious and commercially minded people. They traded all over the ancient world. 
And of course, in those days, in the Roman Empire, new cities were being established. And the founders of those cities often offered free citizenship to Jewish people on the basis that when Jews came into a new city, they brought with them commerce and they brought trade and prosperity and they brought money. And it's quite likely that Saul of Tarsus himself, Paul the Apostle, was the son of one of those free citizens, a Jew of Tarsus, a Roman citizen. You could almost see a Jewish entrepreneur being invited to this new city, a new opportunity, sitting down, in modern terms, sitting down in his office, getting his calculator out, weighing up all the prospects for trade. Here's a great opportunity. Great opportunities to open up shop. Let's get in on the ground floor. Let's make a fortune for a year or so. And then we'll sell up and move on. We might come back home and just live here in the proceeds. Place for money. A period of months will continue there for a year. They even had worked out how long they'd stay. And their program of marketing they would buy and sell. Well, you can see the application today, can't you? How many plan to go to such and such a place and get a job and enter business and become successful and gain fame and respect and earn a living and get recognition. And yet they totally leave God out of their plans. They believe that their future lies in their own hands, in their own ability, in their effort, in their work, in their confidence, in their image, in their education, in the employment that they've got. And then you have their purpose, which was mammon. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. The people that James was writing to were going to go to a city and stay there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He was projecting his costs and his profits and working out the profits to be expected at the end of the year. Now you can see the great error in self-sufficiency here, the problems that could arise. How could a man ever be sure he would even reach that city of his dreams? How would he know that he wouldn't have an accident on the road, that he wouldn't be taken with some illness? that he'd be able to stay in that city, that people would actually want to trade with him, that the economy would continue to be successful. Sure, a thousand things could go wrong. The book of Proverbs, with great wisdom, reminds us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So the first thing that we see here in this wee passage that we have read is the danger of leaving God out of your plans, self-sufficiency. But then there's the danger of losing touch with reality. In verse 14 it goes on, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Self-sufficiency is failure to recognise that life is very short. Jesus talked about a farmer who in many ways was just like the people to whom James was referring. 
It was in Luke chapter 12 and verse 13 to 21. This farmer was in a situation of economic growth. He had plenty of crops. He needed bigger barns to store them in. He made great plans for the future. He was going to store up enough food to do him for the rest of his life. And then he would sit back and he would eat and he would drink and he would be merry. But he left God out of his plans. And with an awful finality and a dreadful suddenness came the very last moment of life. And God said to him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Now, I don't think that Christians are to plan ahead with morbidity in their minds. I don't think we're to go around with long faces, always thinking about death. But there is something we should remember. It is that our life is just like a vapour. Life is like steam from a kettle. It's there when the kettle boils, and in a moment or two it has dispersed and it is gone. A vapour is not solid. It's not permanent or substantial. It's something that you see for just a short time before it's gone forever. There's an opposite position to the self-sufficiency of modern man. It is to acknowledge the good provision of God, his providence. It is the acknowledgement that God is sovereign over this world, that his way is always perfect and that we must submit to him. James tells the people that he's writing to, in verse 15, that they ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. But there's a third attitude that we could adopt. Some people plan ahead with self-sufficiency. Some refuse to acknowledge reality. And others just simply have arrogance. Verse 16, And James says, But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Sometimes when you go to a funeral, the loved ones of the deceased will ask the funeral director to play the tune or the song, I did it my way. Sometimes after the service, when people are leaving the, the funeral home or whatever, every time I hear it, I cringe. Every time I hear, I did it my way being sung, I think of Proverbs 16 and verse 25, where it says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. They boast about they did it their way. They rejoice in their boastings. And the word for boastings here in the original Greek text literally means vaunting yourself. One commentator notes that the word was often used in Greek culture to describe one of these quack doctors. You know the type. You've seen them in the Western movies where a man rolls into town one of these snake oil salesman and he comes in with his covered wagon and he stands up on a soapbox and he sells his panacea his cure-all that'll fix every disease and then he rolls out of town and hightails it before the people realize that they've been conned the promises 
are ridiculous. The promises with regard to the treatments ultimately come to nothing. The quack doctor's cures were no cures. His boasts were meaningless. What man has the right to boast that he holds the future? To do so is to blaspheme the Lord, who alone holds time and eternity in his hands. But you know, we not only boast with our mouths. Sometimes we boast simply by the way we live, by the way that we flaunt our possessions and flaunt our abilities and our qualifications and our activities, by the way that we buy fancy clothes and show off our fine cars and our luxury homes when Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And James agrees. He says that all such rejoicing is evil. I wonder today if you're taking pleasure in the things this world has offered you. Maybe you resent someone telling you that God wants to be given the credit for what you are and what you have. Maybe you don't like being told that you can't plan without God and escape with impunity. The Bible is absolutely categorical about this. Rejoicing and boasting in yourself is evil. There's a warning here for all of us. James says in verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. You know, sometimes the worst offenders in these matters of self-sufficiency and pride and leaving God out of our plans, sometimes the worst offenders are Christians themselves. After all, that's who James is writing to, to Christians scattered across the world, to those early Christians and by extension in God's word to us. We should know about God's sovereignty over everything. We should know that God holds our lives in his hands, that he holds our destiny, even over the very length of our days. We should be aware of all of that. And if we truly know that and still leave God out of our planning, then we're sinning. James is taking a general principle and applying it to this situation. A principle that we have already been taught in preceding verses. If we know to do good, if we know what's right, if we fail to do it, then we have sinned and we must repent. To boast of tomorrow is sin. To leave God out of your life is sin. And we're totally dependent upon our God for everything in life. So, in 2023, let's be careful to give him the glory. Let's be careful in our prayers to thank him for our daily work, for the means that we have to earn our living and put bread on our table. Let's thank him every day for the day that's to be and the day that is gone, for the joys and the pleasures and even for the sorrows and the disappointments. Let's thank him for friends and relations and family, for the fellowship of saints, for a time and a place to come together and worship him. In fact, Proverbs 3 and verse 6 tells us this, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths.
So whatever your plans are for 2023, may those plans be put into place in accordance with God's will. And may you have a blessed and a happy and a peaceful year. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.